Within you is a wound, and within you is a healer. Your power and the great medicine you carry is living in those places that healing has touched. This is a quote from today's guest, Seja Popham. I am Amber Magnolia Hill, and this is the Medicine Stories Podcast, Episode 17. I read somewhere a few months ago, herbalist uh, Stephen Herod Buner, who was interviewed on Episode 8 of this podcast and who seems to be referred back to somehow in most episodes that have happened since by either me or my guest. Seja refers to him in this interview as well. I read him say that when he has given workshops in the past or has, you know, his students gathered around, he asks people what got them interested in herbalism and that so rarely is it something like, oh, I've just always talked to plants and always had this lifelong thing. And I think a little more commonly, it's like a plant saved my life. I had this medical issue that I couldn't figure out and and then herbs saved me. Much, much more often, it's, I don't know, I just feel called. Um, I don't know, I'm just interested and I, I can't stop thinking about it. And that's certainly what happened for me. It wasn't any big dramatic life event. I spent much more time as a child watching TV than hanging out with plants. I just felt called and felt interested, and it was a slow and winding path, and, and I ended up here. And and now that I'm here, I feel, and Sage feels, and so many of the herbalists that are teaching and speaking out these days feel passionate about welcoming other people onto the plant path. Uh, it's it's just time. It's time for us as human beings to remember who we are and who we are is a part of nature and an an integrated being. It's a part of all these other integrated beings. It's part of a huge integrated whole that reaches even beyond the earth and out to the cosmos, which is something that Seja speaks about so often. So I love um, interviewing these people, having these people on the podcast who are doing their own work, yes, but are also very much focused on sharing information and sharing their teachings with other people. And that's something that Sage is doing. And I can't wait to share with you not only this interview, but all these other resources and information that, that Sage and his wife, Whitney, give away all the time and share with people. So I'm going to start right now by telling you what we talk about in this episode. It's so much. I usually really try to like um, edit this part down, but this is all so like juicy and dripping with green goodness. And I, I just want to speak this, speak all of these things that we talk about. We talk about how holistic medicine isn't what kind of medicine you use, but how you use it. The problem with the question, what's that plant good for? How when you tunnel in on a person's symptom, you lose sight of the person. Approaching plant relationships the way we approach human relationships. Why a balanced approach to herbal learning includes intellect, intuition, science, tradition, personal experience, and the experiences of others. Uh, deep embodiment and the awareness of your physical self as a direct pathway to getting to know plants. What really makes a plant person a plant person? The two words that Seja saw on a newspaper while clearing tables at a coffee shop job and how they changed his life forever. I love how this harkens back to 
uh, what I spoke about in the intro to the Stephen Buhner episode, which is something that he writes about in his book, Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm. And it's an idea that he got from the author James Hillman, which (laughs) then is an old Latin idea. It's this word notitia, and it means the attentive noticing of the soul. Uh, that's that's what we're talking about, you know. If your soul is attentively noticing plants or anything else, that that means something. There's something for you there. Um, also, Katie Bowman in episode ten talked about this idea of lectio divina, which is also from the Latin, is an old religious idea of reading something, reading a religious text in that case, in the original meaning. And really paying attention to what pops out at you, you know, when you just sometimes see a phrase or just see even a word that you're like, huh, what's that? I want to I wanna follow that to its conclusion, and there's something for me there. Uh, we talk about the role synchronicity played in introducing Seija to one of his most beloved plant allies. Alchemy, the wholeness of the plant and the wholeness of the person integrated into the wholeness of the cosmos and the importance of using plants for the psyche and spirit, as well as for the physical. Um, Here we go with Buner again. (laughs) Seja quotes him, and I just wanted to speak this quote again. I want you to get it twice. I think it's powerful. We're all born into this world with a hole inside of us that only something from the natural world can fill. And when we find it, we remember who we are. We talk about mythic astrology, the archetypes of the zodiac, and plants as bridges connecting our internal microcosm to the celestial macrocosm. Touch a little bit on lung herbs and grief, and talk about the ancient ancestral resonances that we feel and the memory we carry in our DNA that can be awakened when we have an experience or see something or smell something or learn about something. And we talk about the vitalist approach to herbalism, which is uh, it's just such an important foundational basic concept for anyone who's interested in plant healing. I recently attended a lecture here in Nevada City by Paul Bergner talking about the vitalist approach to herbalism. Um, when I did some classes with Matthew Wood a couple years ago, it's definitely like the foundation of his approach. And it's not even just an approach to herbalism, and it's an approach to healing and to being a human with a human body and to living on the earth. Um, Sage says that something that is created by the whole is going to be more intelligent than something created by the part. And some of the plants mentioned in this conversation include organ grape root, devil's club, wood betony, ceanothus, osha, and mullen. So if you're not familiar with who Sage Popham is, uh, by now you've gotten a little bit of an idea of just how broad-ranging his understandings are, his teachings are, um, but... Let me let me tell you a little bit about Seja. He is the founder of Organic Unity and the School of Evolutionary Herbalism, the student of the universal truths found within both ancient and modern herbal traditions from around the world. The focus of his work is on integrating ancient teachings for a new paradigm of plant medicine, one that is truly holistic in its honoring of the spirit, energetics, and body of both people and plants. 
His unique synthesis bridges herbalism not only east and west, but north and south, above and below, into a universal philosophy that encompasses Ayurveda, Western alchemy and spagyrics, astrology, clinical herbalism, and modern pharmacology. Sage's vitalist approach utilizes plants not only for physiological healing and rejuvenation, but for the evolution of consciousness, for a truly holistic practice of plant medicine. Sage's teachings embody a heartfelt respect, honor, and reverence for the vast intelligence of plants in a way that empowers us to look deeper into the nature of our medicines and ourselves. He lives in Southern Oregon with his wife, Whitney, where he teaches at his school, makes spagyric medicines, and practices his art. Sage is also working on a book right now uh, called Evolutionary Herbalism. We talk about that at the end. Very exciting. And he has a great podcast called The Plant Path that you should absolutely be listening to if you're not already. Of course, Sage and Whitney have contributed a fabulous uh, thing here to the Patreon supporters of the Medicine Stories podcast. It is a 26-page monograph on calendula. So much information on calendula. Beautifully presented, as always. Uh, This covers calendula's primary actions, herbal energetics, organ affinities, clinical patterns and uses, astrological and elemental correspondences, dosage, formulation strategies. Basically covers everything from like the most hardcore science, here's this plant's medicinal constituents, to the more spiritual, esoteric, mythic uses of calendula, which is, you know, just such a common plant, one of the one of the um, foundational plants of folk herbalism all around the world. It's growing in my garden now and most months of the year. That's why it's called calendula from the word calendar. It's it's almost always up, even when it's dark and cold outside. Uh, so that's there at patreon.com slash medicine stories at the $2 a month level. As a thank you for the people who support this show. Thank you so much. You make it possible. Um, I was especially excited to read the parts in this monograph about using calendula for food intolerances, leaky gut syndrome, antibiotic trauma, I mean, these are basically things that all of us have at this point. Immune deficiency, lymphatic swelling, liver detox, and female reproductive issues. Um, There's just so much here, and it's gotten me really excited to get to know calendula better and to really start using this medicine. So uh, as if Seja and Whitney don't give away enough free information all the time, uh, right now they have a free mini course available on their website. It's called the Vitalist Herbalism Mini Course. I did it last year. I'm doing it again this year. One thing I've really learned about myself when it comes to really remembering information and taking things in that I want, I want to take them in so deeply that they are second nature to me. I want to know them just as well as the teacher who taught it to me knows it. You know, there's just some information you come across that you're like, this will benefit from me for the rest of my life, so I'm going to integrate it. Um, I have to listen to things or read things over and over. I mean, sometimes I'll get the book and I'll get the audiobook, and I'll read the book and I'll listen to the audiobook, like maybe not simultaneously, but within a certain uh, period of time, just 
because it really helps me to get it. And then when I'm able to talk about it on the podcast or maybe interview the author or something, um, sometimes write blog posts about it, sometimes I just make notes in my journal, It that's how the information becomes a part of me. And um, so I'm, I'm taking this course again this year because it really fundamentally shifted my approach to herbalism and my relationship with plants and my understanding of the intelligence of plants and how I can be in greater relationship with them. So the Vitalist Herbalism mini course, oh, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes on this podcast. So wherever you're listening to it right now, you can just open it and click that link. I'll make it really obvious. And um, I think you just input your email address and then boom, you have access to the first video. The first video is called Allopathic versus Vitalist Medicine, which is something that we talk about right in the beginning of this interview. And, and this is what was really paradigm shifting for me. I think most of us, when we start learning about herbalism, this is certainly me because I was working at a health food store um, the first year that I was learning this stuff, we have a very this for that approach. Um, use this herb for that symptom. It's that simple. So, so you think at the beginning, you know, and family members have issues and like, I'm going to take this drug. And you're like, no, just take. Turmeric is always the classic example that herbalists give when we talk about this phenomenon. Turmeric for inflammation when it's just more complex and more nuanced than that. Um, so this first video is all about that. It's an hour long. I think they're all an hour or more. Um, there's some great, like, there's there's parts where Sage is in front of a um, whiteboard writing things down, and that's really helpful for me. And then there's also always downloads to go along with the course, with the episode, that video, so that you, it, it really helps me to see things in writing as well. So I really appreciate um, the PDF downloads. So like for this first one, and they're, they're the most gorgeous graphics. Whitney does the graphics and they are so incredible. They just make me feel so peaceful and happy. <laughs> um, this first one has two PDF downloads. One is called Herbal Energetics Table of Correspondences. And the second one is Human Constitutions Table of Correspondences. So these are about tissue states, elements, you know, whether the um, the herb itself is hot or dry, um, hot or cold, I mean, moist or dry, just some really basic Western herbalism uh, concepts. The second video is called the Holistic Intake Roadmap, all about helping people assess what's going on with them and getting a whole picture. You know, you, you really need to have the whole picture of this person before you can help them with something. And the third, which I loved last year, is called the Pillars of Strategic Formulation. So basically, how to craft killer herbal formulas for the medicine you're making for yourself, for your loved ones, for sale, whatever. It's all amazing. Um, so this is just a beautiful gift, and I'm very happy to share it with you. And I hope you will check out all of Seja and Whitney's work. Um, okay. I'm going to give you one more sage quote before we jump into this interview. He says, true holistic herbalism goes beyond the use this herb for that symptom mindset. It sees the body not as a machine, but as a vital ecosystem, a reflection of nature, a garden that only needs the right kind of soil, water, sun, and air to operate in a healthy way. 
you know, the more I practice herbalism and the longer I live, <laughs> the more I, I slowly start to notice that I am aging, uh, the more I, I see the wisdom and what he just said. It, it, health is such a larger picture than any one input, than any one medicinal herb is likely to address. We are, we are multifaceted beings and soil, the sun, the air, the water, we need it all. And I just, I'm so grateful for the teachers who have opened my mind to a more truly holistic, truly integrated approach to plant healing. So without further ado, let's listen to this incredible, beautiful, inspiring, wisdom-filled interview with Seja Popham. Oh, hey, it's me again. I forgot to say something and I want to put it in here so that someone isn't disappointed later on. And that is at the window of time to sign up for and to view the free online um, Vitalist Herbal Practitioner mini course is just a few weeks long. Uh, It looks like this podcast is going to release on May 8th. And so I think think it all closes around May 28th sometime late May so if you're listening to this later then you're gonna have to wait until next year to sign up for and view this course luckily for you um, there's a ton of other content and stuff online from the School of Evolutionary Herbalism that you can learn from and Sage and Whitney even have more online classes that come out throughout the year released periodically So if you're listening to this in May, though, in the window of time, then be sure to just uh, click that link right now in the show notes and just get there, sign up, and then you're in and you'll be able to view those awesome videos. Also, for anyone who's a first-time listener to this podcast, which tends to happen when I interview someone who has a big following themselves, um, you can check more of my work out at mythicmedicine.love some handcrafted herbal medicines like almost 10 years of blogging including some very embarrassing old ones um, and more past podcast episodes okay thank you okay hi Seja welcome to the podcast thanks so much for having me I'm very happy to have you Uh, I love I love what you put out into the world and the contributions that you make to the world of herbal medicine. And I think you're especially valuable for newcomers on the path. And um, I just know that my audience will be really happy to get some more sage wisdom from you. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to get into your own medicine stories and your personal plant path and how you've gotten where you are. But I wanted to start out by talking about something that you speak about really eloquently. It's a really important idea in herbalism. And I think it's something that so many people overlook or aren't aware of, especially at first. And that is this idea of truly practicing holistic medicine and so i mean sage if i'm using herbs like aren't i just practicing holistic medicine (laughs) right well i think that's one of the i think that's one of the kind of standard operating systems that we have in our mind you know we tend to think of oh well we've got pharmaceutical medicine and over-the-counter drugs over here and that's allopathic medicine and then we've got you know, herbs and vitamins and minerals and supplements over here, and that's holistic medicine. And so a lot of times people will think, oh, because I am using herbs, therefore I am holistic. But really, the practice of 
holistic healing isn't really so much about what kind of medicine that you use, but rather how you use the medicine. And so a lot of people aren't really quite aware of the fact that plants can be used allopathically in a very similar way that drugs can be used allopathically. And I think when we're looking at herbal medicines, when we're studying herbal medicines, we have to become very uh, attuned to the phrase of, you know, use this herb for that symptom, or this herb is, quote, good for that particular disease or that symptom. And while that can be obviously very useful information, I think, unfortunately, what happens is that it tends to narrow people's perspective and kind of begin to tunnel vision in on the symptom and lose sight of the wholeness of the person, and then to tunnel in on the plant and lose sight of the holistic nature of the plant. And so the way that I like to, to think about it is that in order to really practice herbalism from a holistic perspective, we, we really need to take into consideration the the entire pattern within a person's life, you know, and that and that and and to really understand the 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 true holistic nature of the herb in the sense of not just what symptoms it treats, but why is it good for that symptom? Like how is it acting upon the organs and the systems and the tissues of the body? How is it adjusting the energetics of those tissues in regards to you know, warming or cooling or moistening or drying and really even deeper to that, looking at more of the, the psychological or the emotional or spiritual properties of the plant. So to me, it's like holistic herbal medicine is using the whole plant to address the whole person. And in order to address the whole person, and we have to not just look at the symptom, but we have to look at the entire constellation of forces that are influencing their lives like how do they live every day what types of foods do they eat what's their rhythm like are they living in accordance with their own constitution with with the seasons with their environment and and kind of shifting out of this mechanistic linear reductionistic kind of cause and effect way of thinking and and about health and seeing it more as this great web of relationships and influences that we have in our lives and and seeing into the core patterns that that might all be influencing that particular symptomatic expression and that's really what we see in all traditional models of plant medicine you know they they, they didn't exactly think in terms of this is the root cause that led to this particular effect of the symptoms or disease that you have, but they rather bent that line into a circle and, and to see how there's multiple ways in which the outer world and the inner world are coming together to create our particular state of health or lack of health. I love that image of bending the straight line into a circle. Um, you say you said this thing once that has just stuck with me so, so deeply. And it's really funny and amusing, too, which is like so a lot of times when people meet a new plant, they're like, oh, look at this beautiful thing by the roadside here or whatever. What's it good for? And when, uh -huh. when we meet a new person, you're not going to be like, hey, Bob, what are you good for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny how we tend to. uh 
approach a plant very differently from the way we would approach a person and like right like you said like we would never go up to a person and shake their hand say it's nice to meet you and say well what are you good for but we do that with plants all the time and to me I think when we're learning about a plant when we're meeting a plant when we're studying and learning about a a plant that we really have to kind of shift our our perceptual orientation to realize that this is a an alive intelligent sentient conscious being that's as aware of us as we are aware of it and i think it's really common in you know humanity that we kind of approach nature whether we're aware of it or not with kind of this like taking like we're taking from the earth we want to take this knowledge from the plants rather than kind of thinking of it as this reciprocal relationship where we can receive but we also have to give and and so to me when i'm learning a new plant my question isn't what what are you good for my question is who are you who are you as this alive intelligent sentient conscious being that is an integral facet of the intelligence of, of the earth and of nature and, and from the alchemical perspective of the cosmos. And so for me, the process of learning a plant, you know, involves direct experience with the plant of seeing the plant and interacting with it in its natural environment to tasting the herb, sitting with the plant and, you know, making offerings and prayers and just meditating with it to very practical experience with harvesting it and making it into medicine, taking it, really becoming aware of how that plant is influencing our body, our psyche, our soul to, of course, you know, uh, studying all of the vast amounts of information that we have available to us about medicinal plants you know i love what paul bergner says he says you know if you're going to reinvent the wheel it's probably going to be round right so it's like we don't have to start from scratch with our uh study of medicinal plants that we can draw upon all of the the incredible traditions and knowledge available to us through them but we can also you know turn to the old traditions and also the modern tradition of science and and learn about the plants that way too so to me it's like i like to approach learning a plant in as balanced a way as i can so using my intellect but also using my intuition using the advances of modern science but also using the the you know vast amount of information we have from traditional models to using my own personal experience, but also, you know, learning about other people's personal experiences. And I think these all come together to form a very well-rounded understanding of a plant so that we're, we're approaching it in a balanced way. We're not, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, I don't want to use all that intuitive woo-woo spiritual stuff. It's just the science that really matters, you know, and we get, there's a lot of people that are on that extreme right where it has to be scientifically validated but the flip side can also be true right where maybe sometimes people just rely on their intuition and just rely on their own connection and communication and communion with the plant on a spiritual level but then won't really want to look at 
maybe what science has to say or what even traditional models have to say. And, and I think for me, I try not to be on either of those extremes, but to find the balance between the two because they're all just different perceptual angles of the same thing. And each thread weaves together in the tapestry that ultimately reveals the wholeness of the plant to us. You say this thing too, like that, you know, direct perception of the plant, getting to know the plant and spending time with it does not have to be some like deep spiritual meditation where you enter the zone and meet the soul of the plant. You can just be putting the plant in your mouth, like just any sort of direct experience of the plant is exactly what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the times when we talk about direct experience with plants, a lot of people think of it in terms of, yeah, meditating with the plant, sitting with the plant, and the whole process of shifting our perception from the intellect down into the heart, you know, as our heart is this organ of perception that has the ability to receive communication from all of life, but from the plant kingdom in this situation, through from that plant's electromagnetic dimension. And so I think a lot of people, yeah, they think of like, oh, direct experience. Well, that means I need to like medit- be good at meditating and really be oriented in my heart. And, you know, maybe I need to have some sort of special psychic abilities. And, and I'm like, well, that's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about sitting and meditating with the plants to learn directly from the plants. But we can also learn directly from the plants, as you said, through, I think, tasting the plant is, I think, one of the most important skills for an herbalist because it's the the taste, when we taste a medicinal plant, it's the first point of contact of communication between the body of the plant and our own bodies. And we can decipher a lot of information about a plant simply through its taste, right? I mean, when we taste an herb that's very spicy and hot and pungent, we can translate that into what organs it's going to influence, what types of actions it might have, what its energetics will be, and ultimately translate that into how we would use it in a therapeutic context. So, you know, you say you taste an herb that's incredibly spicy and hot and pungent. Well, we usually can decipher from that that it's going to warm the solar plexus, it's going to kindle digestion, oftentimes it's going to increase circulation of the blood, oftentimes it's going to have a warming, drying, energetic pattern, Um, oftentimes it can lead to diaphoresis, increasing sweating, Um, it can, as I said, kindle digestion as a carminative, Um, it can be used to circulate the blood to the periphery. Um, There's just all sorts of information we can gather about a plant from tasting it. And so to me, really, to me, a a good herbalist has a very fine-tuned sense of taste, but also has a very acute sensitivity to their own body. You know, to me, taking an herb and just sitting with it and just paying attention to like what's going on in, in the body of being able to kind of understand what our baseline physiological state feels like of like, okay, this is how my body feels at baseline. And now I take this herb and then paying really close attention to how that baseline starts to shift both 
in the short term in that moment of taking the herb, but also in the long term of maybe taking that one plant every day over a period of a few weeks or a month and then being able to say, okay, what's the state of my body now as compared to where it was a month ago? And by becoming aware of those dynamics, you really get to know that plant on a, a very personal level that to me can't can't be replaced by just reading about it in a book. I mean, it's one thing to read about the bitterness of Oregon grapefruit and how it stimulates the liver and digestion and as a cleansing, detoxifying alternative, but it's a whole other thing to take Oregon grape every day and to feel that shiver down your spine and to feel that digestive stimulation and to feel maybe over time your mucous membranes start to dry out a little bit and to feel a little colder than you did before. It's like that experience is the best way to learn about a plant. That's, that's that practical, experiential understanding. And I think that's what I feel like is very important in the cultivation of a true herbalist that's walking this plant path is that we don't just want to have intellectual knowledge about plants through reading about them in books, but we want to have an experiential understanding of the plants. And to me, that experiential understanding takes that intellectual knowledge and brings it down into our hearts, into our bodies, into our experience. And ultimately, I think that's where that knowledge of the plant can begin to blossom and transform into wisdom of that plant. And to me, that is what really makes a plant person a plant person, right, is that they've immersed themselves in the botanical kingdom, allowed the plants to heal and transform them. And that ultimately is the stuff that I think makes uh, a really great herbalist. So did you did you have all these feelings and these connections to plants in your childhood or was this something that developed for you over time and once you became an adult? Yeah, it really developed over time, you know, all throughout my childhood I had a very deep appreciation and connection with nature, uh, mainly just through going out camping and I just really loved being in the natural world. And uh, I remember as a child, actually the first medicinal plant I was ever introduced to was Devil's Club, which, you know, decades later has become one of kind of my main closest plants that I've worked with and really love. But I just remember we were camping and there was a family friend who was kind of an outdoor skills person. And he showed me that plant. And I remember just being like, wow, like this is a powerful presence, you know, and just anyone that's ever been in the presence of Devil's Club knows that that plant is just very powerful and it kind of catches your breath a little bit and just how its presence. But really for me, it, it, all my life I wanted to be a doctor. I was actually planning on going to conventional medical school to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. And um, in my late teenage years, early 20s, I kind of began to be, adopt more of a natural lifestyle, you know, I, I turned into a hippie and, you know, kind of straight away from more conventional approaches to things. And, um, 
And it was really, I remember the turning point for me, actually, I was living in Los Angeles, I was 18 years old, just graduated high school and freaked out and moved away from home and all the way down to LA. And, And I was working at a coffee shop. And I remember one night I was clearing all the newspapers off of the patio. And on the front section of the health the health section of the newspaper, there was this whole article on naturopathic medicine, and they were talking about Bastyr University. And I remember just seeing those two words together, naturopathic medicine. And I just remember it really clicked something into place for me. And I realized, like, wow, that's that's the direction I want to go into is the, the natural medicine and, and the herbs really began to kind of open themselves up to me. And um, after a number of months later, I packed all my stuff up and moved back to Washington where I'm originally from and, uh, and ended up attending Bastyr University and uh, did their herbal sciences program. And that is, I understand from your writings, like quite a scientific and reductionist viewpoint that that was presented to you at Bastyr. How did you integrate that and then like move on to this more truly holistic viewpoint that you now use? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it was just such an interesting process for me because before I really considered myself an herbalist, I really considered myself more of a spiritual seeker, you know, I mean, in my you know, 18, 19, early 20s was really focused on my spiritual path and just becoming a better person and trying to find out who I am, why I'm here, you know, those big questions that when we begin to wake up and become more conscious that kind of stare us right in the face of like, well, who am I and why am I here and who am I not? And, um, and so for me, that spiritual path was always a, a very was a central to me, you know. And then going to Bastyr, um, as you said, is a very scientifically oriented program. I mean, the program is called Herbal Sciences, so I should have seen it coming. <laughs> but I, luckily, I really like science, and I've always really had a knack for science. I, I appreciate the intellect, and so during that program really focusing on, you know, the chemistry of the plants, how to extract that chemistry, learning about our own anatomy and physiology and um, our own biochemistry and how the plants interface with us on that biochemical level. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I think it's incredibly fascinating. And if anything, it just developed an incredibly deep appreciation for the complexity of our own bodies, as well as the complexity of plant medicines and how when they come together, it's just this incredibly um, wondrous process that that happens that really, I don't think there's any way we can really reduce, reductionistically bring the whole thing down to a linear process. I mean, you know, a single plant can have hundreds of different constituents in it. And to chart how all those constituents are interacting with the biochemistry of our body, I mean, is just, it's kind of like insane to think, try to think about how to map all that out. And so, so it was interesting, you know, it was like, on the one side, I had this very intellectual, scientific orientation around the plants that I loved. But then at the same time, I, I, that spiritual side was very important to me. And I was always very interested in that 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 connection between spirituality and plant medicine and how 
in traditions all across the world, we see plants being integral parts of ritual and ceremony and healing and how plants have been used for healing on a spiritual level as well as on a spiritual level. And how, or you know, really when we look at especially First Nations people, indigenous traditions, they all say that they learned about the plants from the plants. And so I thought that was very interesting and began to study that um, both through traditional perspectives, but also just in my own experience. So I started to have a practice of just sitting in the woods, sitting with plants and meditating with them and, and really focusing on that heart as an organ of perception to perceive the intelligence of the plants. And it ultimately kind of, I felt this split, right? Where it was like, my mind was over here learning the science and my heart is over here communing with the spiritual intelligence of plants. And it was like, I could not really figure out how that fit together into a cohesive paradigm. Right. And, and I think that's a big part of what, we're trying to do in, the, in in our modern world, right? Is like, how do we bring together science and spirituality, the above and the below, the practical and the spiritual, the intuitive and the intellect? Like, how do those all come together and in a place of congruency and harmony? And so that really led to me um, seeking a, 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 an integral model of, of herbal medicine that was able to really honor and acknowledge both sides of that equation. And, you know, we find that in traditions such as Ayurveda, we find that in traditions such as Chinese medicine. Um, but what really spoke to me uh, in terms of putting all that together was the tradition of alchemy. And, uh, and uh, that tradition opened up to me while traveling through Europe and uh, being introduced to that tradition, which, uh, is very interesting because they use chemical terminology to denote uh, esoteric or spiritual principles of life. And I just, that really resonated with me in the way that the, the chemical side and the spiritual side come together in the, the alchemical tradition and really provides this incredible model of holistic herbalism that blew my mind because it was like, it was a much larger spectrum of holistic medicine that I didn't even really realize was possible. Whereas before I thought, Oh, holistic medicine. It's like acknowledge and honor the wholeness in the person, their body, their psyche, their soul honor and acknowledge the wholeness of the plant, right? It's chemistry, it's intelligence, the, the spirit in the plant. And that to me was what holistic medicine was all about holistic herbalism but in alchemy they take it to this whole other level where they're saying yes the wholeness in the plant yes the wholeness in the person but how is the wholeness of the plant and the person in relationship to the wholeness of the cosmos to the earth and to the sky like the way that alchemy integrates this cosmology this universal pattern of nature through ultimately through astrology, right? And so this connecting point between people and plants to the planets really brought this whole other scale of holistic herbalism to a, a whole other level for me. And uh, so that really was like kind of a little bit of the beginnings of my plant path. And, and so for me, my work is really oriented around 
seeing how all of these different traditions all across the world were really just paying attention to the intelligence of nature, to the interconnectivity of life. And that is what formed their particular models and systems and practice of plant medicine that sure, they all use maybe different words, um, different materia medica, but ultimately they're talking about the same thing. So my focus is how to bring all these together into a cohesive and comprehensive model of plant medicine that not only heals and rejuvenates the body, but also can attend to our psychological and spiritual levels of health as well. Mm. Once you started to open up more to the spiritual dimensions, did you can does it come to mind any sort of experience with one or maybe another plant that um that was really profound for you that was like, oh shit, like I'm onto something here. This is this is beyond what I knew was possible. Yeah. Well, there's there's many. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, to me, what's very interesting about this work of deep be, developing intimacy with the plant kingdom, of opening ourselves up to first off to the even possibility that there is intelligence in the plant kingdom, which I think our culture is pretty good at suppressing. Um, but then to really open ourselves up to that communication, all these very interesting things start to happen in the way that certain plants will stand up in the forest and call your name. And, um, weave their way into our lives through these very interesting kind of synchronistic experiences. And so, you know, one that really comes to mind actually didn't even involve me uh, directly relating to the plant um, initially. And, um, you know, this was during my time at Bastyr and I, um, you know, was as always working on myself and trying to heal myself and trying to become a better person. And um, there were some certain patterns in my life that I was becoming aware of that I, I really needed to change, you know, that there was some conditionings, there were some experiences from my past that I needed to kind of get over that were negatively affecting me in my life. And I, and I just had really put it out there for the right healing to come into my life that would help me. And, um, and I remember one day I was, uh, sitting over lunch with my, uh, herbal first aid teacher, a woman named Karen Schwartz, who actually for anyone listening that lives in this, in the Seattle area, she has a, a, an incredible shop on Capitol Hill called sugar pills. She's a great homeopath and, and, uh, first aid herbalist and great practitioner. And, um, we became friends and we were talking over lunch one day and she kind of looked at me kind of funny, you know, all of a sudden. And and she goes, have you ever heard of this plant called wood betony? And I was like, no, I've never heard of this plant before. And she goes, you know, I think you should look into that plant. I I, I just feel like that you're going to really like that plant, you know? And I was like, huh, okay, well, cool. I'll check it out. Right. And so I, you know, jot it down in my notes and like research wood betony, you know, and, and uh, whatever, I'm going about my day and, Later on after lunch, I'm in the herbal medicine making lab and a good friend of mine said, hey, you know, I just finished all these medicines. I've got, you know, do you want some? And and I was like, well, yeah, sure. You know, I'm always building up my home apothecary. And 
she's like, what do you want? And, and I was like, well, just pick something at random, you know, just reach in the basket and hand me a bottle or whatever. And that's what I'll take, you know? And so she reaches into the basket and hands me a bottle and I turn it over and I look at the label and it says, would bet me. And I'm like, wow, well, that's really interesting. You know, like I've never heard of this plant and here it popped up twice, you know? And, and so at the end of the day, I'm laying down to go to bed and I just had this evening ritual where every night before I'd go to bed, I would I would re reopen up my favorite herb book, uh, the Book of Herbal Wisdom by my dear teacher and friend Matthew Wood, and uh, and so I would always just read about one plant every night, which I think is a really great uh, good habit to have as herbalists to just study one plant a day and uh, brush up on our materia medica, and so I opened up the Book of Herbal Wisdom at quote unquote random right to the first page of the chapter on wood betony, right? And I'm like, what? Like, this is insane. Like I woke up at the beginning of this day and I didn't even hear of this plant. And here it's popped up three different times in this one day. And um and I remember reading that chapter on Wood Betney, you know, and he it, it's just one of those experiences where you find the medicine that you need, you know, when there's that plant that just matches every single thing that you're going through, your body, your heart, your mind, your spirit, like everything that you need to heal in yourself at that moment in time is right there in front of you in that medicine. And I remember, you know, it's like I almost get emotional talking about it because it just like, it was such a powerful moment for me to read about this plant and to see myself in everything that I was reading about and how somehow through the process of me opening myself up to the plant kingdom and sending out that message to the forest of like, here I am, I want to heal, please like help me just bring those plants into my life that can help me so I can help other people. And so, um, I, proceeded to work with Wood Betney over the course of a year and, you know, I've continued to deepen my relationship with that plant. And, um, you know, as I planted that herb into my body, into my heart, into my mind, and it began to sprout and grow, it fundamentally changed me as, as a person, you know, it was, I'm reminded of a really great quote from Stephen Herod Buner. And he says, we're all born into this world with a hole inside of us that only something from the natural world can fill. And when we find it, we remember who we are. And I just love that quote because I think it speaks very strongly to what it means to walk a plant path, what it means to be a person of the plants and the transformational healing process that we as human beings can go through when we deeply integrate our lives into the lives of the plants and how each plant can you know carry like a part of our soul back to us they reflect parts of who we are and reinstill that essence back into our hearts back into our minds how they can peel off these layers of conditioning of the different ways that we've been adulterated as we grow into adults and ultimately 
get us back to our true nature because these plants are of nature and we are of nature, but our modern world puts all of this layers on top of that nature that block that light. And so to me, those plants just peel those layers back and reinstill that natural pattern in, into our lives. And, and I believe that is a process of self-discovery and of, and of transformational healing that, that, that is an, an essential part of the cultivation of, of an herbalist and yet is also a part of the medicine that we can carry, that we can offer to others. Like we can offer that level of transformational healing to the people that we serve. Well, you just touched on everything that this podcast is about and the the direction that my own plant path is taking, which is, you know, using plants and helping other people find the plants that enhance their own mythic journey to the deep self. And I love what you say mm. about sort of the layers falling away. I think when you find your plant and there are many of them, but when you find your plant, it just aligns you more with your soul and with your purpose and um, I love this idea of paying attention to synchronicity and seeing what comes up. Like this morning, I was walking my dog and I was listening to your podcast, The Plant Path, and I wanted to go see this Ceanothus plant that, you know, there's so many Ceanothus out here and there's a ton of different species, but this one has got the white bark. It's like ghostly. It's so beautiful and it's blooming right now. And when I was walking them a few nights ago, I found this gorgeous bush and it just Oh, it was like the night of the full moon and it was dusk and the the morning doves mm. were calling and you know it was just this like very very special moment and I was like oh this plant I, I need to I need to spend some more time with this ceanothus this ghostly barked ceanothus and so walking him mm. this morning my my foot was really hurting like my foot and ankle started hurting they have been for a while and I was like trying to make it out to this bush and I was like I don't think I don't think I can make it to go check in with that plant right now and I was kind of disappointed you know I was like okay I just really need to like head home before I hurt myself and so we turn around and boom that plant was right in front of me on the plat on the path oh, wow. I was like oh there you are <laughs> I don't need to make this extra <laughs> pilgrimage like you you want to be known you know you're right here mm -hmm. And it was while I was listening to you talk about this very thing, talking about paying attention to synchronicity. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so interesting how those certain plants that we need, it's like they'll make themselves known to us. You know, maybe maybe it's the one that is constantly sprouting up at our front door, or maybe it's the one that we constantly trip over in the forest, or maybe we're just walking through a natural environment and the sun is shining through the leaves and giving that dappled light and it's just hitting this flower at just the right time and you look at it and that feeling washes over you of just the wonder and the beauty and the enchantment of wow, like, what is that, right? And it's like, there's some, there's a resonance, there's something in that plant, and there's something within you that are similar, right? There's a similarity there, there's a correspondence there. And there's something that that plant is speaking to you, right? And we have to pay attention to those synchronicities and to those feelings and to those moments of wonder and of enchantment and of becoming aware of this plant that just keeps popping up. Or maybe it's just you're in an herb class or you're listening to a podcast or you're at a conference and 
someone just mentions this herb and you're like, huh, like that seemed, that one right there sounds really interesting. Like I really want to learn more about that plant. There's just some unspeakable thing inside that wakes up when that plant comes into our awareness. And, um, you know, you touched on something there that, that I wanted to, um, hopefully it's not too much of a tangent, but I, I love that you're talking about the, the myth a lot, the mythology, right? The myth our mythic journey. And, um, and you know, this is, this is kind of where I, I feel that the plants begin to touch upon when we relate to them in this very deep way. And, um, especially in regards to the alchemical tradition and the preparation of spagyric herbal medicines and, and they, you know, the whole premise of alchemical medicine is that you're not only preparing, you're not only harvesting and preparing the medicine of the plant, but you're harvesting and preparing the, the energetic architecture of the plant, the way that plant is in relationship to these elemental forces, to the planetary forces, to the archetypes of the signs of the zodiac, right? That that these plants are in relationship to these macrocosmic forces. And that when you create a medicine that embodies those macrocosmic forces and work with it, that plant becomes this bridge that connects our own internal microcosm to these celestial counterpoints in the macrocosm and that's the stuff of myth right when we look at traditional mythologies all across the world that they're they're touching on these archetypes these archetypal influences that are woven throughout all of nature and so to me when we work with plants in this deep way through communion with their consciousness through spagyrically prepared medicines, we're actually tapping into what I call the archetypal landscape, right? That these plants are actually bridges that we can cross into this very deep territory of the soul. And through that process, we, you know, journey back to the place of our wounding, right? That sacred wound that we carry, you know, it's like, we're all wounded healers because we're supposed to be. We're all wounded warriors because we're supposed to be, right? It's like we all have this wound that we carry that when we heal that wound, it turns into our gift. It turns into our strength. It turns into our wisdom. It turns into our understanding. It turns into our empowerment. It turns into our path and purpose and contribution to make this world a better place. And And so to me, this deep work with plants that you're talking about really does bridge us to this archetypal landscape where we learn to transform those archetypal energies from maybe their not so positive and beneficial and healthy expressions and transform that into its highest virtue, into its most evolved expression. And that really is the root of alchemical medicine and I think an integral part of the new paradigm of plant medicine, that we can use herbs to tend to people's coughs and colds and flus and UTIs and joint pain and arthritis and digestive imbalances, right? But at the same time, 
even when those physical symptoms are cleared, there's still healing work to be done and that those plants can be used to open up this deeper level of healing on the level of the psyche and the soul. I've really appreciated learning about spagyric medicine from you. And um, one of the plants that I have the deepest mythic relationship with is OSHA. And I, before our conversation, and then just now when you were speaking, I took some of your OSHA spagyric tincture. And man, talk about mm. a plant that you can ascertain so much about its its uses, its properties, its energy, um, its healing just by tasting it in your mouth and feeling, you know, that solar plexus feel that you talked about, that pungency, that warminess. It's so, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that OSHA is a really, really incredible, uh, really incredible medicine. Um, that particular one is actually our uh, local Pacific Northwest OSHA, the Lagusticum grayi, and then we also have the Lagusticum canbii out here, which are a little less at risk than the Rocky Mountain OSHA, the mm -hmm. Lagusticum porteri. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that, that nice, warming, aromatic, resinous quality has that heating drying quality the way it opens up the lungs the way it thins mucus and facilitates expectoration i mean you can feel it almost instantaneously right so i say like that osha from an alchemical perspective the way i tend to think of it is that it, it's governed by that fire element right it has that fire element which is why it's so warming and pungent and you know chinese medicine they actually use osha as as a circulatory stimulant like that's how they primarily use it and that fire element governs the blood and governs the heart and governs circulation but then from a perspective of the planet to say it's related to mercury because you know, we see Mercury as like that bridge between the above and the below and the inner and the outer. And you kind of see that in the morphology of the plant, right? Like this this beautiful root deep in the, into the earth with that hollow stem connected to that, that umbel inflorescence, right? The way it kind of opens and expands up and out like an umbrella into the sky. So it's kind of like opening, expanding up and out but also tapping deep down and in with that hollow stem connecting them. And they say that's like that balance. It's like perfectly poised between heaven and earth. And the way that that OSHA works in the lungs, the respiratory system, right? It opens everything up. And mercury oftentimes creates like constriction and tension and spasm, right? And so the way OSHA works through the lungs relates to mercury, the way it relaxes that tension and spasm, and then the way it has that very warming, pungent nature uh, relates to that fire element. So through the, 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 the way the plant grows, the way it, its habitat is, the way it works in the body, the organs it works on, the actions, its energetics, all of this is influenced by these more esoteric rulers of the planets and the elements. And we can directly see those energetic patterns imprinted upon the plant. But then, you know, the fire element and the mer mercury as a planet has this incredible spectrum of um, mythological associations, as you spoke to about, right? That it has these psychological and emotional dynamics that they have certain evolutionary functions, certain lessons that we need to learn as human beings in order to become more whole, in order to become in harmony 
with these different facets of life. So that's kind of a, a way that I think of um, kind of starting to translate the physical properties of a plant and relating it to its more soul orientation uh, of the plant. Mm -hmm. And then for me too, um, OSHA, of course, has this deep affinity with bears or bears rather maybe have an affinity with OSHA and they Mm -hmm. seek it out when they first wake up in the spring and eat the roots. And there's this wonderful story about some bears in a zoo in Colorado who are really lethargic and just basically depressed because they were in a zoo instead of in the wild. And um, someone got some OSHA roots for them and brought it to them and they just came alive. You know, they started playing with each other and like sharing the roots. And I think they got like sexual with one another other which they hadn't and um so that you know I have this deep resonance with bears and then I had this really incredible bear dream um last winter and I remember asking our mutual friend Mila Prince telling her about it because she's a real bear person too you know and and I had kind of my ideas about what that message might be for me and she was like I think it has to do with like grief and your grief over your mom's death and I was like oh I don't yeah I don't know maybe and then a week later I was driving my baby to sleep and I had this pouch hanging from my rearview mirror with some OSHA root in it and again Mm. going back to just putting a plant in your mouth that really tends to be the main way I interact with plants these days like I make my medicines that I'll use but just putting the plant right in my mouth teaches me so much and so I put the little OSHA root in my mouth and within like seconds this well of grief came bubbling up for me. And I'm feeling that tingle in the mouth and in the throat. And I'm feeling it warming my solar plexus and getting into my lungs. And it's just like, boosh. <laughs> I was mm. like babbling, bubbling, like, you know, tears, mucus coming out of my nose. Like, luckily, I was on a country back road going really slow because the baby's sleeping oh. and I wasn't in any danger. She wasn't. And it really, it really did just that for me, you know, and I had, I had taken the OSHA because I'd had that dream. And then I think I really needed this release, not that I'm not constantly crying and grieving over the loss of my mom, but some really deep shit got brought out, you know, and then later I'm thinking about it and I'm like, why would that plant have that effect? And I'm like, oh, well, physiologically, it works on the lungs. And all these traditions yep. tell us, like, you store grief in the lungs. You can feel that, you know, when you're depressed, you like hunch over. When you're happy, your chest expands. And that, that, mm. that OSHA helped to dig that out of me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's one of the beauties of traditional systems of medicine is that they, the way that they are able to relate certain emotional and psychological states to the organ systems, right? And it allows us to see these connections between them. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, you know, funny that you mentioned that because that's what I was thinking when, when you said Mila talked about that grief, you know, and how, yeah, that grief, it's like that heavy it's like when we're grieving it's like especially unprocessed grief it's like it gets that heavy and then it stagnates and it all settles and it's like it weighs us down and it holds us back and and it needs that like stimulation to move that 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 stuck energy in 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 the exact way that osha does so yeah it really makes a lot of sense and and yeah and i too actually have received a lot of healing through medicinal plants 
that work on the lungs in regards to to grief as well because I lost my father at a very young age and had some some stuck energy there you know and and for me uh, I worked a lot with mullen in that way uh, the way that mullen kind of softens things that have turned hard and the way that, that that it moves through the lungs and the way that that grief can kind of sit like a stone on your heart and it kind of walls things off and it just gets that heavy heaviness and and so for myself personally I mean I remember for months I was sitting with Mullen and every time I would go and sit with Mullen. I just, like you were saying, like I just turned into a babbling, bubbling, crying mess, you know, and I had no idea why. I could, I just, every time I sat with this plant, it just, in, like, literally immediately, just all of this emotion would start to be released. And, um, and after reflecting upon my time with Mullen and after working with it for quite some time and really starting to understand its medicine, in more depth, it was like, wow, there was all this hard, hardened, kind of calcified emotion that had gotten stuck in there. And the way it just softened it and opened it up, you know, the way that mullen kind of opens and reaches up into the sky and the way it grows in really hard, rocky places, but produces this really soft, downy leaves, right? That's what it does. It transforms hardness and makes it soft again. And, and so I think in that way, too, it's like, well, you can receive a dose of the plant just by being in its presence if, if we're open and, and aware of it in, in this kind of way we're talking about mm, i i love this conversation too and it, it harkens back to what we were saying at the beginning of you're cultivating your own personal experiences like you're not going to read about a grief release and osha in any book uh but mm -hmm. here's here's this experience that's so profound and so clear and there it's just like it's infinite you know the number of ways that a human body and soul can interact with a plant mm -hmm. so i'm wondering ancestry is something that we talk a lot about on this show and it seems that so many people who walk the plant path have some sort of ancestral practice or maybe a really strong connection to one ancestor do you do you incorporate ancestry into your life and practice in any way? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I remember in my early 20s, I was um, had a, a spiritual teacher that would talk a lot about ancestral work and breaking ancestral patterns and, and, and things like that, um, you know, and these days it hasn't been a major area of focus for me but for me you know i don't really know uh, uh, too much like practically speaking about my ancestry um other than you know kind of the various places that they're from but i think for me what 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 really where something just kind of clicked into place for me was as i mentioned that um being introduced to that tradition of alchemy there was something inside of me that woke up that almost remembered or um, something about it just felt familiar, you know, for me to go down into my lab and to sit with these crucibles and with these this plant ash and mortar and pesto and to be grinding these crystalline mineral salts of plants in front of the fire and to be distilling their souls and their spirits and to just be in the lab doing alchemical work 
there was something inside of me that was like, wow, this is so familiar to me. Like I can't put my finger on it, but there definitely is, is a sort of remembrance there that, that I really connected with. And, and for me, like, you know, having studied a little bit of Chinese medicine, which I really love and appreciate and having gone into quite a bit more depth in, into Ayurveda, love it, really appreciate it. But they're, you know, those are from very different cultures. And I think, you know, they're speaking of universal principles of nature. So I don't think Chinese medical philosophy is limited to China, or Ayurvedic medicine is limited to India, they're speaking of universal truths. But for me, with alchemy, and that whole tradition that has its roots very deep in European culture, that ultimately just to acknowledge its original roots goes into Egypt. Um, for me, it was that connecting to this very rich um, medical tradition and and practice that that came, you know, that was very strongly developed and refined throughout Europe, um, really woke something up inside of me that that I just uh, I really love it. And I think it's really beautiful. And, uh, and, and I think that's ultimately why it, re it really spoke to me is because of Maybe there was someone back there in my lineage that 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 did that kind of work. I'm not sure, but uh, there is definitely something familiar there for sure. Yeah, I, I talk and teach about there sort of being two approaches to ancestry, and one is more genealogical, you know, just research stuff that you can find online or in archives, and then there's the more spiritual and like you'll you'll never know for sure if you had an ancestor who was into alchemy and I'll never know for sure if I had an ancestor who is into the things I'm into but we can when we feel that that aliveness that awakeness that you're speaking of um it's you know that deep resonance is so often I think really is ancestral it's like the little DNA molecules in your in your body are being like turned on you know by some force reaching right. reaching forward to you in time and being like yeah. like gifting you this this memory mm. yeah absolutely and and yeah I mean I, I do I do like that approach you know thinking of it genealogically but also kind of thinking of it spiritually because yeah, there has been, you know, different spiritual traditions that I've been introduced to that I've, you know, have studied and been a part of that also have that sense, even though I'm not from that place, I'm not from that culture, but yet there is something inside of me that wakes up, wakes up when it hears those things. And I think what that ultimately really comes down to is somewhere in our ancestry, there was there were people that lived in accordance with the earth. There were people that lived in accordance with the natural cycles and rhythms and patterns of the earth and the cosmos and understood the spirit of nature and understood how to work with the elements. They understood how, you know, there's somewhere in our ancestry, someone was praying with the fire, someone was praying with the water, someone was working with the earth. And I think that's the one thing that we can see in common amongst most traditional peoples across the world, right? That, that there is, they have their ways of working with those elements and with the earth and, and, and understanding that spiritual connection that it has there. And, uh, and I think a lot of us in our Western culture 
you know, are striving for that. Like we're hungry for it. You know, it's like, there's kind of this interesting paradox that I've seen over the last number of decades where it's like, you know, we have all these Westerners that are, you know, flooding into the Amazon rainforest because they see that there's something there that is missing from our lives, that there's a perspective, that there's a healing, that there's some sort of spiritual orientation that they want. And yet everyone in the Amazon is striving to move to the city so they can go to college and go to school and have what we have, you know, and it's like this interesting paradox of, of both sides kind of trying to fill in things that they feel like are missing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I think, and I think that, you know, leads to a lot of people being like, well, that's cultural appropriation and this and that and the other. But to me, it's, um, I think it really boils down to, um, reconnecting with the earth, reconnecting with the elements, reconnecting with something real in this world and, and deepening in our understanding of life and the spirit that moves through life. And we are a global culture now. And so I think that the more that we can integrate and incorporate and understand about these ways of living in accordance with the earth, the better. Yes. Uh, yeah. As Westerners, we are, we're spiritually bereft. We're adrift. And this connection with nature and connection with the ancestors for me has been the most profound ways to anchor myself again. And I would add that it's not just somewhere in your ancestry that people were doing this. It is everywhere in your ancestry. It, it's only in the last few generations, really, that humans have become so far removed for the from the earth. So anyone who's walking the plant path or wishing to deepen their connection to nature can can incorporate that into their own ancestral journey as well. And the two really just flow together so well. Um, so Seja, you say this beautiful thing that a medicine made by the earth has much greater intelligence than a medicine made by the human mind. And I would love for you to expound upon that and sort of in that, like, tell, tell us about vitalism. What is the vitalist approach to herbalism? Mm. Yeah, well, from my perspective, a medicinal plant is in relationship with these overarching forces of life, right? That the plant isn't just a plant, that the plant is a, a synergy of these elemental forces that the earth, the water, the fire, the air, the ether is all in that plant, that all of the energy of the cosmos is present within the plant, the planets and the stars and the, the these archetypal forces that the plant is a microcosm for the macrocosm of nature. And in that way, the botanical organism contains within it this vast overarching intelligence, this medicinal intelligence of the earth that is incredibly vast and incredibly powerful and complex. And it's created by something greater than the self, right? That 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 the plant being is a part of this greater web of life and that is created by something much greater than the human mind right that we as human beings are as much a part of nature as anything else right but we're a part of this greater whole and to me anything that is created by the whole is going to be much 
um, more intelligent than something that is merely created by the part. And in that, by that, I mean by medicines created by the human mind, which, you know, really speaking of, you know, pharmaceutical medicine and things like that, where we take oftentimes, I mean, the basis of pharmaceutical medicine is based on plant chemistry. But what we do is we take the wholeness of a plant and separate a part from that wholeness, a single molecule from the wholeness of the plant and concentrate it into amounts that you would not find in nature. And whenever you separate a part from the whole, it begins to function very differently. And I believe this is why pharmaceutical medicines have so many side effects, why they create basically a whole other spectrum of disease and symptoms in people uh, is because they lack the integrity of the wholeness. And, you know, to me, a part can't outsmart the whole. And I think that's where the human species is at, is that we're trying to outsmart nature. And the fact is, is that we can't do that. And we're seeing the repercussions of that mindset, mindset, both within health, within ecology, within the environment. I mean, every element of life is being affected by this core illusion that the human being is separate from nature. And to me, that is central to cultivating a vitalist understanding, you know, talking about vitalist herbalism. It's this first understanding that we are a part of nature. And because we as human beings are a part of nature, there is a vital intelligence that is moving through our organism, right? And it's like there's anybody that ever spends a little bit of time studying some anatomy and physiology immediately begins to realize that our bodies are like vastly complex, that there's intelligence there, right? I mean, that that's outside of our conscious control, right? I mean, just thinking of our digestive system, the fact that you chew food, you swallow it, your these valves open and close, the stomach churns, it secretes, secretes enzymes and hydrochloric acid and bicarbonate buffer so it doesn't burn through the wall of the stomach and it churns and it breaks it down and at just the right moment another sphincter opens empties its contents into the small intestine the nervous system responds by telling the pancreas and the gallbladder and the small intestine to secrete and squeeze the smooth muscles and parasols it's like this insanely coordinated vastly intelligent system that's going on beneath the level of our conscious awareness. We aren't controlling that, right? But there's a vital intelligence within our body that is doing that. And so in vitalism, a vitalist herbalist really looks at the wholeness of the human organism and sees it as an intelligent force, that each organ, each system, each tissue has intelligence and that symptoms in the body are of nature and have intelligence and that it's our goal as herbalists to not as a vitalist herbalist to not suppress the symptom like what is commonly done with an allopathic approach to healing and by allopathic i mean whether you're using drugs or whether you're using herbs right if you're using turmeric for inflammation that can oftentimes be an allopathic approach, right? And so we want to see that the symptom is a language, right? That the symptom is a communication from our body 
informing us that something about the way we live our everyday lives is is incongruous with nature internally and nature externally. And so the vitalist herbalist follows the vital force. They follow the symptomatic expression. They they support the body in its self-regulating, self-healing processes rather than artificially suppressing the symptomatic expression. So there's a whole lot more to, to what vitalism is, but to me it really is anchored within first off seeing that the human being is a part of nature that because of that there's an intelligence that moves through our bodies that moves through our minds that moves through the wholeness of who we are and that we want to use plants in a way that is in accordance with that vital intelligence of the body and not in an allopathic suppressive manner so Seja, you have you have so much content out there. Anyone who's listening to this and is new to you is stoked right now because they can go and explore so much more of what you have to say, what you have to teach, what all these big systems of thought that you've synthesized and brought together. So please tell our listeners where they can find you, your podcast, your website, your upcoming book, and your upcoming courses. Yeah, so um, you can follow us at evolutionaryherbalism.com, and we've got a blog on there with all sorts of free videos and free content. We also have our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram um, feeds, as well as our podcast, which is The Plant Path, um, which can be subscribed to on either Stitcher or iTunes. And uh, yeah, and then on our website, we've got all sorts of uh, free mini courses that folks can sign up for. And what we have coming up right now is our, our, uh, free vitalist herbalist training series where I'll be sharing, um, an in-depth free workshop series going into what the practice of vitalist herbalism looks like, how we can get out of an allopathic mindset of practicing plant medicine and into a truly holistic model of practicing plant medicine. So you can uh, sign up for that free training over there at evolutionaryherbalism.com and just enter your name and email there to get on board for that free course that we're offering um, this month. And then, yeah, and then I also have a book that is going to be coming out um, I think next February or March of 2019, that book is going to be called Evolutionary Herbalism, the Science Science, Medicine and Spirituality from the Heart of the Earth. So I'm really excited about that. I'm working super hard to get that all done by June 1st of this year. And it's my first book. It's going to be coming out. And um, I'm really excited to see it through, see it through all the way. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I've got going on. That's so exciting. I can't wait to read your book, all the um, like teasers you've put out on your podcast, or you've just sort of elaborated on like what chapter you're working on and what you're writing about have been so interesting. And as someone who just loves reading and really takes information that way, I can't wait to deepen and get get my hands on this book next year. So um, thank you, Seja. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. And I just value 
what you do in the herbal community so much. I think you play a really important role in, as I said, synthesizing big ideas and distilling them <laughs> in your spagyrical mind lab and, um, you know, yeah. just making them more accessible and understandable to people. It takes a really special mind to do what you do. And I'm very grateful that you have listened to your soul callings throughout your life and that has led you to do this right now. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Amber. That really means a lot. Thank you for those kind words. And yeah, and you know, ultimately, that's really what I want to see amongst all herbalists, right? Is that 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 soul calling, that that opening up of themselves to the plants and to their incredible healing and medicinal properties, so that they can heal themselves, so that they can better heal others. And I think when we all come together and do that work together. I think we can really make a big difference in this world and bring about the healing and the transformation that is needed to turn situation on earth in, in a more positive direction. And I think the herbalist holds a very important role in that process. And that's really, I've just really strive to do whatever I can do to help people, to, to help people, to help people, to help people. And we're all helping <laughs> one another lifting everything up so so thank you very much for having me on the show here amber i really appreciate it it's been an honor to be a part of it and i hope to pay it forward and have you on the plant path sometime too so i'm down awesome <laughs> thank you for taking these medicine stories in i hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self i love sharing information and we'll always put any relevant links in the show notes you can find my blog, Handmade Herbal Medicines, and a lot more at mythicmedicine.love. While you're there, be sure to click the black banner across the top of the page to take my quiz, Which Magical Herb is Your Spirit Plant? It's a fun and lighthearted quiz, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with the medicine that you're in need of. If you love the show, please consider supporting my work at patreon.com slash medicine stories. Um, there's some cool rewards there, like exclusive content, free access to my herbal ebook and online course, and the ability to chat with me. I am a crazy busy and overwhelmed mom, and adding another project into my life with this podcast is a questionable move. But I'm also so excited about it and just praying that the Patreon will allow me the financial wiggle room to keep doing it. Another way that you can support if that's not an option is to head over to iTunes and subscribe and review the podcast. That would be super helpful. Thank you. And thank you to Marie Sue for providing the music that I use. That's Marie with two E's, S-I-O-U-X. This is from her song, Wild Eyes, one of my favorites. Uh, check out Marie Sue. Beautiful music. Thank you, and I look forward to next time. Bye.